0: welcome to a special edition of the Sultanite light hour i'm deacon pedro today we're going to be playing some of our favorite conversations from the fall of 2021 we start the show by speaking with chevin mcculloch who stars in the new catholic tv show studio 316. if you're parents of tween agers you'll want to listen to that conversation after that we'll meet singer-songwriter katie curtis in our second half hour We speak with Deacon Ed Schoner from the Association of Catholic Mental Health Ministers and at the end of the program we reconnect with David Wong of the band Critical Mass about parental alienation and his new album about it. Remember that you can listen to all our programs at slmedia.org and to comment on what you hear or to ask any questions you can look for me, Deacon Pedro on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. You can also email me Pedro at SLmedia.org. We begin now with Studio 316. Now, most of you who are parents are probably concerned about what your kids are watching on TV or online. You wish that there was a good Catholic show that's also high-quality entertainment that at the same time teaches your kids about the truth, beauty, and goodness of the Catholic Church. Well, this show exists, and it's called Studio 316. It's produced by Cross Boss Media. Studio 316 was developed to give kids and parents, I guess, something else to watch rather than the trashy entertainment that kids are commonly exposed to. The show is co-created by Shevin McCullough, who also writes and stars in the show, and Shevin is here now with me to tell us more. Shevin, welcome to the program. Welcome to the Sultan Light Hour.
1: Thank you for having me. It's, a, it's an honor to be spending time with you, Deacon Pedro.
0: So I think a lot of people are still just hearing about Studio 316 for the first time. It's pretty new. What's How would you describe the show? What's the show about?
1: Okay. So you have this, the context of the show. There is a high-spirited yet misguided Christian recording artist, uh-huh. and this, I'm just going to talk from the first person. I start talking yeah, because yeah, it makes you, me right? feel weird. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Right. So I'm high spirited, misguided, enthusiastic. I believe that the Bible is the living word of God. I know that God's talking to me actively, presently in the Bible. And it's in addition to yeah, yeah, yeah. the historical book. So, however, I always have a beef with the gospel. Like there's a misunderstanding mm-hmm. or there's a hole that I poke in it that'll kind of trigger the plot, that'll formulate the plot and push the story forward throughout the course of the show. The show is anywhere from 23 to 30 minutes long. The goal of each episode is that I have to write and perform a song that adheres and promotes and supports the truth of the gospel. Yet I can't write that song until I know what the truth of the gospel actually is. So throughout the course of this journey, I kind of get backed into the truth by the people that visit my studio Um, so that by the end, like the light bulb comes on and I'm able to do the song. So instead of the one doing the teaching, I'm the one being taught.
0: Right. Okay. So that makes sense. So every episode there, there's, there's a struggle there to understand you understand it, but there's the whole songwriting thing. So there are other characters that come in and out. Is it, is it kind of like, you know, like the Sesame street community where there's like different characters, like you're in a building, like what is studio 316 in the show?
1: Yeah, sure. Okay, so Studio 316 is inside of a commercial building, a warehouse called Salvation Studios. Okay. Salvation Studios is a warehouse full of artists. Uh, primarily Christian artists. I see. Studio 316 is on the 3rd floor and it's suite 16. Right. Um and it's a recording studio. So numerous people will come over whether they are, they are painters uh-huh. singers sandwich makers i mean it, it's art so we we cast a wide net there and yes yeah, so there are reoccurring and familiar Recur- faces especially a lot, a lot of kids too
0: well i was going to say because you have the kids the cast a lot of the cast that are kids so those kids are like going to this particular building in in the world of the show because they're like in a music camp or something like that is that well George? Sort of sure.
1: so Yes. So let's say they're coming by my studio because they want to record a song, or let's say Teresa, who's another co-star, they come by her studio for voice lessons, but she's not there, so they decide to pop in to see what I'm up to. I Um, see. Okay.
0: Okay. No, that's okay. So so that's how you get kids in there. You get lots of characters. You get you as the lead, struggling through this lesson. Um, Yeah. What are some of the topics that you would cover? Or that you've covered so far?
1: Um, so we have like kind of how the writing process is structured. I, I'll i try to make this as concise as possible. Let's yep. say this Sunday is, I'm just making updates here, but let's say this Sunday is the 20th. Yep. And we realize that we want to release a show the 15th of that week. Mm-hmm. The gospel, our denominator is going to be Sunday's gospel. Okay. So the show that we just released what's today Tuesday the show that we just released pat this past Wednesday covered this previous Sunday's gospel
0: okay so it is it is attached to the particular gospel of totally. that Sunday Oh, wow. That's uh, that's a bigger challenge.
1: (laughs) Yes. Yes. Yeah. Right. We we do not handpick what we want to talk about. We look at our release date for season one and now season two. And we say this is when we're going to release. What's that Sunday's gospel? We start there. I do a holy hour. And then we have a consultation call with a biblical, a uh, couple of biblical scholars. One of them is Dr. Uh, John Bergsma, mm-hmm. and the other people that we write with. That way, we have a deep historical and theological mm-hmm. meaning of what this passage is about. From there, we figure out the aim, what's the goal of the episode, and then we create the plot. So, things that we've talked about so far that were in the gospels that we covered oh, man, you have the rich man and. Uh, Detachment. So okay. The detachment of your possessions. That was one that just came out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, you have the uh love your neighbor. Yeah. Uh, that was covered. Divorce was was covered because right. that was two or three. Okay, weeks so ago. pretty much,
0: pretty much if people think about what the gospel themes were for the last month or so, you've covered them. Um
1: Yes, exactly. When that show is released, it's released on a Wednesday. Amazing. We are going to cover that upcoming Sunday's gospel. So can utilize the content as well.
0: Is it your goal then to do like all 52 weeks of the whole, according to the liturgical calendar, or are you only doing a certain number of episodes? That seems like a lot of work.
1: You know, <laughs> we run pretty hard, man. Uh, wow. That would be great, but we currently have 18 episodes for one season. So we're basically putting out 36 shows. That's
0: amazing. A year. That's great. Kevin, yeah. what's your background? How did you get involved in this?
1: Um, I have a musical background in middle school and high school. I got interested in like being a producer and making beats. So I did that for about and songwriting and it was very secular, worldly hip hop, mm-hmm. rap, army type of stuff. Um, and then I did that from about, let's say I, I bought my keyword 16 to about tw- my mid 20s, nothing monetized. Mm-hmm. So then I got into phone sales. I was doing that for six years, then got into real estate for seven years. I had an encounter on a plane ride in July of 2018 where I felt God was calling me to do this. So I left the real estate company to start this with Rob Reynolds. I okay. met Rob when I went to the Franciscan University of Steubenville, okay. but I wasn't Catholic at the time, I converted later. The only reason okay. why I went to the Franciscan was because I was taking care of my grandmother and that was the, she was paralyzed and that was the closest college to where she lived. Wow. So my my background is in, I would say the artist in me, there, there's musical components, but in regards to figuring out scripts and being in front of a camera and timing and Right, 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 of course, that, of course. It but like but it's- kind of building
0: I guess I guess the point is that that this is a ministry and you felt called to do this kind of to do ministry in this way to evangelize this particular age group through this particular media.
1: Exactly. Yeah, correct. So
0: so who who are the I know the more or less the age group of the kids in the show are sort of those kind of young teenagers or tweenagers. Is that who the show is for?
1: Yes, it's for about seven to 12 and yeah. and, and really our hyper focus is on the 11 and, and 12 year old range because if, if we can connect with them the younger audience even though they might not necessarily get it they'll strive to get yeah, it of because course. older kids that they're looking up to are gravitating towards it so they'll want to gravitate towards it as well so, so that's the primary target
0: so and and the primary i guess the people go to their website to watch it do they have to subscribe how does that work
1: Yes. So studio316.com. The, growing up, we heard you are what you eat. And then I feel like that's kind of yep. transformed or evolved into you are what you watch. Yep. Um, So that's why we have our own platform. We want a secure place that parents can trust for them to watch their kids. So it's studio316.com. They can go up there. Everyone can watch one episode for free. And then you have to create an account. When you create an account, you can still watch them for free, but you still have to create an account after the one episode. Right. And right now in order to keep this thing sustainable, we're relying on the pay it forward model right. that chosen as kind of Which
0: absolutely makes sense. And if anybody's listening, I would really encourage them. I mean, obviously go watch it. And if you like it, and it's something that you want to support, you need to support this kind of ministry because it's really expensive. They can't do it without your support. Um, I'd say the same for salt and light media. You know, it's like if you want to support Catholic media, you have to support it and you have to support it with your wallet. Um, so studio 316com shevin it it's been great uh, chatting with you, meeting you. Um, and uh, thank you for doing what you're doing. I think it, it's going to make a huge uh, impact in, uh, in the lives of a lot of kids.
1: Thank you, Deacon Pedro. Yeah, we, we want to be loyal to our mission. Our mission is to provide children a genuinely entertaining, secure place to encounter Christ in a way that inspires action. So I feel like as long as we're loyal to that, it'll work out exactly the way God wants it to.
0: Absolutely. Amen. Thank you. God bless. Keep keep uh, keep doing what you're doing. Shevin McCullough is the co-founder of CrossBoss Media and the executive writer and lead for Studio 316, a new Catholic kids TV show. You can watch it at studio316.com. Here now is our featured Artist of the Week, Katie Curtis, with her single, When It Hurts the Most. Katie Curtis was born with a kind of muscular dystrophy that should have killed her by age five. But her mom prayed incessantly, and her diagnosis changed. As a teenager, Katie received a guitar, which she learned to play and began writing songs. Her dream to become a professional musician began. In college, Katie became a Catholic, and now, as she creates her own music, she is working on making a career as a lyricist for other performing artists. To tell us more, I am now joined by Katie Curtis. Katie, welcome to the Salt and Light Hour. It's good to meet you.
2: Yes, it's very nice to meet you.
0: So, tell me about about getting that first guitar at age fourteen.
2: Okay, so, um, I didn't, I didn't know that I'd be able to play guitar because I have muscular dystrophy,
3: mm-hmm.
2: um, and because of that, I have contractions contractures I don't even entirely know what it's called (laughs) basically my basically my arms and legs don't work right right and and um so I can't turn my hands completely upside down
0: okay um
2: and so I uh I just assumed that because I can't play normally I wouldn't be able to play guitar um but by the time we got to college um my two best friends. One of them was really good, but good at sports. He played baseball and football. Mm-hmm. He was just like he—he's a really good athlete. And another friend of mine, um, she was learning to play guitar. And I was like, I feel like there's got to be something I'm good at. I have to have like some talent, yeah. but I don't quite know what that is. Um, and so probably the summer. Either going into my freshman or sophomore year, I think it was going into my freshman year.
3: Uh-huh.
2: Um, my brother, I, this is kind of an assumption because I don't totally remember this part of the story, but I'm assuming it was for my brother's birthday. Uh-huh. We got the game Guitar Hero. Okay. And so I, I learned to, I just figured out that I could play the game upside down. Okay. And so, so I figured maybe there's a possibility that I can play a real guitar upside down.
0: So, so you play upside down. You, yes, I you do. actually, you do both, both hands or just the, the left hand upside down.
2: I, I do the strumming normally, but yeah, I do. You'll do
0: the chords upside down. So you had to figure all yeah. that out by yourself.
2: Well, uh, no, I took, I started for, so I got a guitar. For Christmas I got my first guitar for Christmas and this was the absolute crappiest guitar (laughs) you could possibly you could imagine getting but it was just but it was just to see like is it possible to play upside down so like if it wasn't possible to play like I'm not going to invest in a really nice guitar yeah um so I got like the absolute garbage guitar
0: for Christmas
2: and started taking lessons in January
0: what a great story
2: yeah and um so my first guitar lesson was probably spent the the majority of it was probably spent trying to figure out how to play a g chord upside down
0: mm-hmm. I can imagine. Um, wow and
2: and really i i owe a huge thank you to my teacher yeah um and i just i want to give him a shout out ken polk at alpha omega music Studios.
0: amen
2: yeah, and uh, wow! Because I think, like, I, I I owe him a huge thank you because yep. I'm not sure, like, other teachers would have agreed to teach me upside down.
0: So 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 in the song, like, we've just heard two of your songs, um, yep. and there's, I mean, there's they're very heavily guitar songs. Are you actually uh-huh. playing on the tracks?
2: Uh, no. Can uh he? So initially, I did a lot of my own i i used a guitar to write a lot of songs This okay. was back when i was a teenager yep now i'm much more focused just on melodies um, and writing uh-huh. so on all my stuff that's been released like last year last year and forward uh, ken does all, all the um all the music work. all the music
0: for the for the recordings yeah. um that's awesome um yep. you you say that your mom prayed incessantly when you were little and diagnosed with with mus- muscular dystrophy yeah but but that you still kind of grew up and you didn't really know god growing up how mm-hmm. how does that work like so was it a catholic family
2: i would say sort of
0: <laughs> okay yeah <laughs>
2: um so my parents uh they weren't especially devout it was kind of one of those situations where you're kind of desperate so you ask god for help and then put him back on a shelf when you don't really need yeah, help anymore okay
0: so you weren't like going to mass every sunday it wasn't that kind of
2: no not you know. really no so no, then wh- and and i was the kind of kid who i was very imaginative yeah like i had an i had imaginary friends all over the place yeah. But I, but I was, but I also took things very literally. Mm-hmm. So like, I kind of knew some of the Bible stories, like, you know, Jesus would heal people. Yeah. So I, so I just asked like when I was eight or whatever, like, Hey, Jesus, can you heal? Like, heal me, make me a normal kid. Mm-hmm. And like, I didn't really know how to pray. So like, I was getting just what seemed to me to be silence.
0: Yeah, of course.
2: Yeah. And so by the time I was 10, I didn't have a word for it at that point. Um, but I would say I was agnostic by the time I was
0: Right. Not so then what what happened in college that sort of brought you back?
2: Um so by the time I was 18, um I was looking at looking at colleges. I knew kind of what I wanted to what I wanted to focus on i thought i wanted to like really focus on music because in my junior year of high school that summer i did a a, a program at berkeley
0: mm, okay yeah
2: and that was amazing i had I an. Imagine, I, yeah. I learned i learned a ton and it was funny because i wasn't staying there i wasn't because i have to commute Mm -hmm. So I wasn't staying there. So I didn't make friends with any of the other students, but I made friends with this homeless guy who called himself Pollywog. I never learned like his actual name or anything, but I think it was by kind of through meeting him that I kind of secretly met Jesus in this strange way. Um,
3: uh huh,
2: And I was, because he was just so simple and nice,
3: mm-hmm.
2: um, and he just kind of showed me, I think, something just like pure and beautiful that I wasn't seeing. So I auditioned at Berkeley, but I also had visited other colleges around where I live. And none of them seemed to fit. But the other school that I looked at, that I applied to, was Gordon College Mm -hmm. in Wenham. It was like an evangelical Christian school. And ordinarily, I think that would have made me nervous. But when I visited there, I think classes were going on at the time. So I was seeing other students and I was in like being interviewed by staff and I saw that people there everyone there was just so happy and they seemed to have something that I didn't have and and so I wanted it
0: right and I guess that was the beginning of your journey back
2: yep so I ended up going to Gordon and I started kind of tentatively talking to God yeah and There was just this one night in October of my freshman year that I was just... This is going to sound kind of overly dramatic, but I would literally describe this as I was just at like the bottom of my everything.
3: Uh
2: And it was just like I had to let everything go to let him in. Mm -hmm. And it was in that moment where... I, of course, this whole time was praying that he would help me find a boyfriend, yeah. but it was just kind of at this moment where, like, I, I finally listened and he, and I, he didn't, he didn't say this exactly, but I kind of interpreted it as like, you don't need a boyfriend. You need me. Will you let me love you? And I was like, yeah, I, yes. Yes. So that was I said yes and it changed everything. I mean it changed my music it changed my life.
0: I can imagine. So now yeah. now you're mostly writing I mean you write your own songs but you're also writing mm-hmm. lyrics for other performers. Um, what is your hope for your music or for your lyrics as you reach reach people?
2: Well, so I'm mostly writing my own lyrics at this point. I've started doing other, projects for other people but I haven't quite started doing those types of projects yet so right now I'm just releasing my own stuff
3: mm-hmm.
2: and with my own stuff really I just want to reach people and show them like you can find love and peace and joy just with it, as long as you have Jesus in your life like really I just want to glorify him with my music
0: hmm I think so, and and you have a powerful story that I think would would inspire a lot of people to, to find what they what they're missing. Katie, thank you so much. Um, thank you so much for speaking with us today and for sharing your story with us. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm super excited to, to hear more about your story and and and, and uh, more of your music. So I hope that you keep writing so that we can get you back on the show and, and learn some more and listen to some more music. Great, thank you. You can find Katie Curtis on Bandcamp, Spotify, and on her Facebook page. You can also read her blog at katiecurtismusic.wordpress.com. And if you missed any part of this interview, you can head over to slmedia.org podcast. All our programs are archived there. Here now is Katie Curtis with her song, Victory.
3: And sunrise here, and somehow it's different. Shadow
0: Katie Curtis, with her single, Victory. This is a special edition of the Salt and Light Hour. I'm Deacon Pedro. You can check out our website at slmedia.org slash podcast. Welcome to the Salt and Light Hour, part two. I'm Deacon Pedro. Last month, Pope Francis announced that his prayer intention for November was for people who suffer from depression or burnout that they will find support and a light that opens them up to life. According to a press release that accompanied the Pope's Prayer Intention video, about 1 in 10 people worldwide live with a mental health disorder, which is about 792 million people. The video was made in consultation with the Association of Catholic Mental Health Ministers, which, among other things, works to add mental health ministry to parishes and dioceses across the United States, And to break the stigma surrounding mental illness to tell us more i am now joined by deacon ed schoner president of the association of catholic mental health ministers deacon ed welcome to the salt and light hour it's good to see you
4: good to meet you deacon pedro
0: so why do we need an association of catholic mental health ministers
4: Because I think the Holy Spirit is moving within the church to open up the doors of the church to people that live with mental health challenges, mental illnesses. There's a longing and a desire for people who live with these illnesses and challenges and their families to be drawn closer to Christ. Uh, For far too long, uh, they felt excluded, Mm -hmm. not simply by the church, but also by the broader society. And that needs to change. And I think the spirit's moving to change that within our church. I, uh,
0: I think that a lot of us um, have, have come in, in contact with mental health illness or mental health issues. Maybe we don't recognize it. Um, is it? Is it that prevalent? How, how common is a depression or mental health issues? Uh...
4: Well, the statistics here in North America are that about 20% of us at any one time wow. live with some kind of mental health condition, ranging from a serious mental illness like schizophrenia, uh, to, to mild to moderate levels of depression, which I live with, yeah. Um, and over the course of a lifetime, fifty percent of us will experience some sort of mental health condition. So if we don't have it ourselves, we're close to someone that does. Yeah, exactly. And the other serious statistic is is that uh, suicide is uh, the tenth leading cause of death. Uh, well, prior to coronavirus, but the tenth mm-hmm. leading cause of death and. If today's a typical day in the US, at least about 130 people will die from suicide today. So it's a, uh, it's every place it's widespread and the stigma and outright discrimination that people have had to live with uh, uh, is unfortunate and sad and I like I said, I think the spirit's moving to to sort of push all that to the side right. and welcome them into the church and support people.
0: How much of the problem do you think is, and maybe we ourselves will we'll do it to ourselves? Oh, I, you know, I can tough it out, or it's not really mental health illness. Uh, I'm just going through a slump. How much of how much of that is the problem?
4: A lot. I mean, that's called self stigmatization, and uh, we stigmatize ourselves because we don't want to admit that we have this illness, we, for too long, we didn't view these conditions as real illnesses that and and those of us that are Catholic in particular can over spiritualize it.
0: Yeah, I was gonna ask you about that.
4: Yes. And think we can pray our way out of it or something like that, or that we're a bad Catholic if we're anxious or depressed. And that's just simply not the case. These mental health uh, therapies and treatments are gifts from God. Just like any other medicine, medical practice is, and we should um, uh, make our, avail ourselves of them, take advantage of them, get the care we need. And uh, and those of us, uh, Deacon Pedro, that are in clergy, you know, priests and deacons and bishops, yeah. should not be afraid to talk about this yeah. condition. Yes, that we experience it ourselves, so we can normalize it and send the message to our congregations and our parishes that it's okay to deal with this. And the church is a place that you can go to find yeah. consolation and support.
0: It's, it's too bad. We, we, we have a limited time to talk because I have so many questions, but I was going to ask you about, so even though we might try to uh, talk ourselves out of it by saying, Oh, I can pray, you know, I can, I, I can pray myself out of it. Let's say at the same time, and I've heard other people say this, and I, I maybe have said it myself, that even though th- th- we could say that there's a mental health crisis, that the real crisis is a spiritual crisis, would you think that there is something there? I mean, we, we need to take care of the illness as an illness, but at the same time, uh, it, spirituality plays a part. Is that
4: not correct? Well, you're right, Deacon. And Pedro, we're we're mind, body and spirit. Yeah, you can't separate them all. They're all interwoven. And I think for too long, uh, we have not recognized the the mind party of it. Those of us that are focused on spirituality. And unfortunately, with with mental health care, sometimes the spiritual part of our lives get Pushed to the side. So you go to see good therapy and good counselors, and they can only do so much. But these existential questions of where is God in the middle of this? How come I have schizophrenia? What happened to my child? How come they attempted suicide or in the psychiatric hospital? Mm -hmm. Those are deep spiritual questions that long for the presence of God. And that's what this ministry does. It opens it up and tells people, come on into the church, we're going to talk about this, we're going to invite Christ into the middle of these crises, and we're going to accompany you. That's the main word, is is that in this ministry, we can accompany people when they face these challenges. Uh, Because for, like I said, for far too long, the church was not the place to go to get the type of accompaniment that people really want.
0: Yeah, which is why I think it is that we need a an association that is catholic you, yes. because you think that as catholics we can address the issues in a way that it maybe is more holistic the than,
4: sacraments are beautiful the grace yeah. that we receive through the sacraments especially through the anointing of the sick yeah. and reconciliation is an important part of the spiritual healing when you're dealing with these uh challenges the uh we can look to the saints I just wrote a piece mm-hmm. for Vatican news as part yeah. of the Pope's prayer intention for November about how many saints have uh, lived with mental health challenges and they lead. deep yeah. holy lives that can inspire us, uh, despite these uh, challenges that they have lived with and even in our own personal lives. We, uh, maybe we're not comfortable talking about it, but many of us have experienced mental illnesses ourselves. We may perhaps grieving the, the loss of a loved one or close to us that have died by suicide. Mm-hmm. And in all of these experiences, God is present. And we need to be able to f- open up to each other and support each other. Because people that live with these illnesses and the experiences have much to offer the church. They have deep experience of empathy and suffering and humility and all of these, virtues are things that they can bring to the church. So it's not just us serving the people that live with mental health challenges. It's the people with the mental health challenges bringing their gifts and virtues and strengths into the church and building up the whole body of the church. So it's right. It's, it's evangelization that goes both ways.
0: Yeah, exactly. Um, so what exactly is the association? So the association of Catholic mental health ministers, is it a place where people can go and find resources how does that work?
4: Yeah. Yes, the association is uh, is a network of those of us that are involved with mental health ministry. So, if you want to start a ministry in your parish or your diocese, you can okay, go to our site, diocese. CatholicMhm.org, and we provide resources, prayer support. Uh, we will provide grants and financial support if that's an issue to get this off the ground. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's a network where those of us in this ministry can support each other and build this ministry up. We have online training courses that you can take, uh, books, a, a wide variety I of resources. See.
0: So would, a, you, would, you, would you advise them that every parish
4: should have a mental health ministry or something like that? Our hope is, is that mental health ministry becomes as common in every parish as grief support is, as, prison support, yeah. CCD. It just becomes a common, ordinary, everyday ministry that uh, the Catholic Church is known for. That, yeah that, that our church becomes known as a place that can help people in these situations console people and welcome because you know the old pogo saying they is us i mean yeah it affects yeah, yeah. All yeah of exactly us. Not, you know exactly. That, that it becomes a place for compassion and support when yeah. these challenges occur
0: um you mentioned earlier that you know for priests deacons pastors i mean churches in general it's important for us to to, to have this information this knowledge that we're comfortable talking about it how would you suggest that let's say as a deacon i can include this in a homily let's say is it as simple as including the groupings like some of us are struggling with mental health issues etc cetera, etc cetera, or like how would you
4: suggest i'm working can... into homilies you yeah know, regularly so particular, you know of course when there's certain days or themes like in the us there's a suicide uh, awareness month in september so i'm usually working in around those times but also you know when there's scripture readings about lepers about leprosy i think that's a perfect example of uh how sadly people with mental illnesses are treated today. If you remember, Mm. people used to think someone with leprosy got leprosy because of a sinful life or their parents did something wrong, or it was a moral failing or a character fault that they got leprosy. Of course, no, that's not the case. It's an illness. But you know, sadly, for all too long, people have thought when they get a mental illness, it's because their parents raised them wrong. Right. There's a marrow or character fault, yep. and failing. Uh, so I work it in when when Christ is yeah, uh, okay. healing people with these type of uh, challenges to look to give us a perspective that uh, you know these type of this type of discrimination and stigma has been around for a long time, and all sorts of illnesses, um, and sadly. Uh, for mental illness too but i think we can do better and i think slowly the spirit's moving to encourage the church to do better and the, and the statements by the pope pope francis over the last few months have been absolutely yes wonderful and so encouraging
0: yeah um i think that a lot of priests struggle with mental health uh illness or issues especially if they're in a parish by themselves or yes. um and so is it your hope or does the association also uh Provide dioceses with resources so that they can support their priests.
4: Yes, so they can support their priests. Um, Yes, their clergy yeah and, and the other clergy uh you know there's bishops are not immune no. to mental yeah, health challenges nope. even pope francis talks about how he got psychoanalytical help in the 70s when he was facing challenges in argentina mm-hmm. so none of us are immune immune to this and uh it's it's something like you like we were talking earlier you don't want to separate your spiritual life from your mental no. health life they both yeah. need to be integrated and uh there's there because christ Is there in the midst of this, and continues to want to be present to us as we uh, struggle with depression, anxiety, and maybe even more serious mental conditions.
0: Deacon, um, thank you. This is an important conversation, so it's good to—I hate to say that—it's good that we have an excuse to talk about it. But thank you to Pope Francis for bringing it up, so that we have this excuse, and hopefully, we can have uh, continue the conversation in the in the months, years to come. Uh, Thank you for the work that you do.
4: Thank you, Deacon Pedro, for having this conversation.
0: Deacon Ed Schoner is the president of the Association of Catholic Mental Health Ministers. You can learn more about them and access their resources at catholicmhm.org. If you missed any part of this conversation or to listen to the rest of the show, just head on over to slmedia.org slash podcast. Here now is Critical Mass with Sorry from their album Serenity.
5: That you're sad, that you hate your mom and dad. Were we there enough when your life got tough to get you through the rough? While your mom would spoil, I let frustration boil. Didn't act as one, we both let you down. The harm can't be undone you say that our regret can not help you to forget you say you need to leave our words you won't believe and our love you won't receive we're sorry no way to push rewind clear the memories left behind no guide to raise you all didn't answer the call we simply left Precious moments pass We pray the scars won't last Sorry's an empty word Floats away unheard But we keep trying undeterred You say that our regret Can help you to forget You say you need to leave Our words you won't believe And our love you won't receive We're so You'll start to live, maybe you'll
0: That was Critical Mass with Sorry from their album, Serenity. Parental alienation occurs when one parent conducts a campaign of denigration to erase the other parent from the lives of their children. I don't need to tell you the harm that this can do, not just to the targeted parent, but to the children. David Wong of the Catholic band Critical Mass has begun a project that advocates for the children and targeted parents of parental alienation that includes a website and a new album, and to tell us more, I spoke with David Wong earlier this week. David, welcome back to the show. It's good to see you.
6: Oh, it's always great to be back in Salt and Light. Thanks so much.
0: Um, it, it's good to see you, um, and I'm happy to see you, but it's not necessarily a happy topic. Tell us a little bit about what parental alienation, What it, what is that?
6: So it's when one parent kind of com- conducts a campaign of denigration against the other parent and tries to erase that parent it often happens in high conflict divorces and if you think about it and think about some of your friends maybe that have gone through a divorce it's quite common but parental alienation happens when it's it's kind of extreme Uh, it's really. One parent will basically use a campaign of denigration, they'll badmouth the other parent, they'll share information they really shouldn't share, like legal documents, things Mm -hmm. like that. And they'll try and restrict time and make excuses like, Oh, Johnny can't come and see you, he doesn't want to see you, uh, as opposed to encouraging a relationship between a child and a parent. So, the result of all this is a child will start to totally reject a parent, Mm -hmm. and that they will stop, uh, they will start. Uh, referring to that parent by first name, for example, right. or they'll always say one parent's extremely bad, the other parent's really is always really good. Uh, they'll spy for the other parent. Sometimes, if they go over on a on a on a visit, they'll they'll gather information for the alienating parent. Right. So it's a horrible situation. And um, I've been on Facebook groups where the social media you see people who are targets of parental alienation. And they are just, they're suffering. They, they they see a child that won't talk to them, that that tr- child treats them as if they're dead and uh, won't have anything to do with them. And they get constant reminders through social media. And, and you know, you hear people talk about suicide and uh, depression, anxiety, right. it's horrible. It's, right, it's, uh, so
0: would you say, I mean, I, I would say that any of these issues are of concern to the church, but why would you say it's a specifically important for for Catholics to be aware of this and particularly maybe Catholic clergy?
6: Well, I mean, Catholics have always been about preservation of the family and the family unit. Mm -hmm. Right. And in this particular case, you're talking about removing one of the parents. You're talking about one of the parents basically telling the other parent, uh, telling their children, you know, don't honor that mother and father, like just leave them alone. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, it's, encouraging the child to lie to to the uh to the other parent parent. or spy on the other parent um and you know i've seen some examinations of conscience where they talk about libel and slander as being thou shalt not kill because you're literally killing the person's reputation well here's a situation where one parent is really being murdered in the eyes of their child and they no longer exist right so i think it's very important Uh, that the catholic church especially since we're all about family and 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 two parents that we take this into consideration and and uh and take it seriously because Mm -hmm. uh we are talking about one parent being eliminated
0: and and just to be clear you're you're not necessarily talking about a particular parent who may have been abusive or violent or who should not be part of i mean who should be removed or not be in touch with their kids you're talking about I mean, I mean, I'm not going to say that I mean all family, there's a little dysfunction so, so, to all yeah, families. So
6: I mean you raise a good point. Like no parent is perfect other than maybe the holy family, right? Yes. I mean, but other than with, with that exception, parents make mistakes, right? And you know in the old days or you know, discipline was not necess- was corporal, right? Yep. So there's a lot of history, there's a lot of culture, right? Um, but at the end of the day, if a parent, uh, has been trying their best and hasn't abused the child. Um, and, and actually it's an interesting thing. It's a little counterintuitive, but the research shows Amy Baker had a paper a few years ago that showed that in social work, um, estrangement is interesting in that children who are abused want a relationship in alienation. It's totally different. The child totally rejects a parent, mm-hmm. which isn't the case oftentimes when there is abuse. So there are techniques to differentiate between estrangement and alienation and this is fairly recent research this is within the last four or five years and i think it's important you know the secular courts are starting to understand this and i think it's important for the church to catch up
0: yeah and would you say i mean i think it's fair to say that a parent can be a victim of this but really the victims are their children
6: oh absolutely i mean think about a child being told that half of who they are half their dna is evil hmm and to totally reject that part of you—that's really fifty percent of your genetic makeup, fifty percent of who you really are—and you're being told to reject that person, and it causes incredible psychological issues later on in life. And it tends to be intergenerational too. Um, you know, kids who have suffered from parental alienation—they don't—they have, have low self-esteem, they have tr- trouble trusting. Uh, they have trouble forming relationships. And in some cases, they actually repeat the pattern of parental alienation with their own children.
0: Right. So the song that we heard just before the interview called Sorry is about that. Why is the song called Sorry?
6: Well, I think you know, no parents, no parent is perfect. And uh the, the album Serenity is 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 a, is about a journey. It's about mm. a journey where, you know, one fifth of all Catholic marriages end in divorce, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's a little bit better than the general population, but not much. And so there's a lot of us that go through divorce, separation. And my album, Serenity, is about that path from divorce to hope and faith and, 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 uh, and love and But along that journey, sometimes alienation happens. So alienation is part of that journey, part of that album. But as as well as the alienation, there's also every parent, no parent is perfect. And every parent does things sometimes that may cause those feelings of alienation, although it may not be deserved. Right. Uh, And and so this song is actually written from the perspective of both parents. Okay. To their children. Saying, I'm so sorry. I can't take things back. But, you know, uh, for uh, I often talk to alienated parents and those who have a faith, I always talk to them about the fact that, you know, they've lost hope. But I tell them, um, you know what, if Jesus really is the truth, then at the end of time, your children will know the truth. They'll Mm. know how much you love them. They'll know that you've made mistakes and that both parents have made mistakes, but they will know the truth. They will know the depth of your love at that time. So as Catholics, if you have been alienated or are suffering, there is always hope because of our faith, right? And that's what that story, that last verse, or the last line, you know, you may not know, my life might be over before you, before you'll know the truth. Right. It's, it, it's also hopeful. It's sad. Yeah. It's very sad, but it's it, also it, hope it's yeah, because it, of faith.
0: Yeah. Now you, obviously you, you worked on the songs that was part of your own healing process, the, the album, but it's a it's a larger it, the project is larger than that tell us about the website and maybe how it can help there might be uh, people listening right now that are experiencing alienation they don't even know that it's called that how exactly. how, how what what do you what do you want to tell them
6: well i've i put together a, a website called uh, endalienation.org and it's based around the song alienation and alienation is actually kind of interesting it's a play on words mhm so alien nation. Uh, I actually drew from that old movie invasion of the body snatchers, uh, where you know you yep. had alien invaders. But it's interesting in that movie, people you knew suddenly behaved differently.
1: Yeah. They,
6: they would say the words, they would seem to have the same memories, but they were they were evil. And that same thing happens in parental alienation as well. Your children actually become controlled. So, yeah, so I, I drew that analogy. So that video, there's a music video that we just released, but the whole website is based on alienation. That's why it's called andalienation.org. And I have all sorts of resources, um, links to scientific articles. That's the professor in me, the geek mm-hmm. in me. I wanted to make sure that everything was backed up by research. I've got interviews with lawyers, legal uh, people, children who've been alienated. Um, and of course, the music is all there, the music videos. And I'm trying to help people uh kind of like provide a soundtrack to those people not just going through alienation but also those who are in high conflict divorces that might become an alienator right Mm. unwittingly you know encouraging people to you know what don't badmouth that other parent right right? treat them with respect right
0: because you don't know that it might have that effect it might not be intentional Um, david thank you i know it's it's a difficult journey for a lot of alienated parents um, but thank you for for responding to it in a, in a way that's hopefully helping a lot of other people heal. Um, and I
6: hope the album can also be a soundtrack for those who are going yes. through separation and divorce. So it's a part of the bigger picture.
0: Right. Okay. Well, thank you very much, David. Thank you for the work and for telling us about it
6: today. Thanks a lot, Pager. Take care.
0: That was a conversation I had with David Wong of Critical Mass earlier this week. If you or someone you know is suffering from parental alienation, you may want to go to David's site, endalienation.org, where you'll find lots of resources. That's also where you can find the new album, Serenity. And to find out more about Critical Mass, you can go to their website, criticalmassmusic.org. Here now is Critical Mass with alienation from their album, Serenity.
5: My flesh and blood betrays I'm in a daze There's whispers behind the doors Chills me to the core No guilt in their rejection False accusation Systematic should.
0: Mass with Alienation from their album Serenity. And that concludes this special best of edition of the Salt and Light Hour. Remember to visit our website SLMedia.org in order to find out everything you need to know about us and how to support our ministry. We can't do what we do without your support. You can find me on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Write me and say hello. Thank you for listening. I'm Deacon Pedro and this has been a special edition of the Salt and Light Hour.